Well, good morning. I hope you're doing well this morning, Hilton Head Outland Community Church. Thank you guys for those of you here in the room. Thanks for those of you who are joining online. Um, today we are going to be talking about selflessly serving the world around us, kind of as a, as a recap and wrap-up of 15 days of serving, which is something that we as a church did uh, to serve our community, to celebrate our anniversary. And uh, so we'll be talking about that in a moment. Cynthia just, I don't know if you just saw her, but she, she reached over and she kind of grabbed my back and put her arm around me and she whispered something to me and she wanted you all to know, if you don't know, she's my wife. So anyway, that was probably a good idea since she was like whispering, so anyway, and uh, you know, hugging me there. She was like, you might want to tell them that uh, I'm your wife. So anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, maybe I'm the only one. But anyway, today, um, before we dive in and get started, I want to recognize that uh, here on Hilton Head Island, for those of us who kind of lived through 2016 and Hurricane Matthew and some of the hurricanes in subsequent years, that there's a lot of stress and anxiety that goes along with what we all went through uh, last week. And I don't know about you, I'm as equally bothered by what happened in southwest Florida and north of here as I am thankful that this wasn't as devastating to us. And so I just feel led to pray for our friends in southwest Florida up in the northern part of our state along the Atlantic Ocean. And then I know of some churches even on the Atlantic coast of Florida that can't meet today um, because of Hurricane Ian. And so would you join me as we pray for our friends in these different areas of the country? Father, there are needs that, that have come from Hurricane Ian that even having gone through Hurricane Matthew and Irma and a few of the others in subsequent years around here, we can't understand the devastation, those who are going on day four without power, five, those who lost loved ones. And Father, I pray that in the midst of this terrible disaster that hit so many different areas of the southeast for those um, people who are in southwest Florida on the Gulf Coast, those who are on the Atlantic part of the Florida coast in the Daytona Beach area, and those who are in our state north of Charleston. Father, I, I pray that uh, you would give them peace and that you would give them hope. And Father, I pray that you would, as you always do, take something that is awful and devastating and catastrophic and Father, I pray that somehow, some way, that you would use it for your good and for your glory. And I pray that you would bring people who don't know you to faith in you. And for those who are far from you, for those that are hurting, Father, I pray that they would be drawn towards you, not away from you. And God, we pray that they would be able to rebuild their lives as quickly as possible. Father, I pray that you would also lead us to find out ways that we can help that we can serve the world around us as well. Be with us now as we dive into your word. Would you lead us and would you guide us? May your Holy Spirit be with us this morning. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We did celebrate 15 years uh, as, as a church, and I'm so thankful for all of you who have been a part of it because we decided that we would give a birthday present you know, or give an anniversary present to our community and that we would serve for, for 15 days that ended last 
Sunday. And so we, we finished that last Sunday on serve day. Uh, and some of you showed up for church and maybe forgot that we were having serve day. Sorry about that. Uh, so anyway, uh, next year uh, or next spring, uh, you can be a part of it too. Uh, we served teachers. We served doctors. We served those who live by themselves. We served those who uh, maybe have a hard time finding food. We served those who have a hard time finding a home. Uh, we cleaned mile markers. We landscaped our partners' facilities. There are many of you that for the first time we had a serve day project here. There are many of you who stayed last Sunday and cleaned up this campus to get it ready for Hurricane Ian. All right, so anyway, uh, that was a lot of fun. So anyway, uh, there are those uh, of you who serve really just by reaching out to your neighbors. And, and what a great thing to see all of you serving, seeing so many of you serving the world around you, dozens of people every day for 15 days. And my prayer and my hope is, is that it would bring glory to God, that people would be drawn to Jesus when they see and when they have seen you and when they have seen this church serve. But today, part of the reason I wanted to recap that and part of the reason I'm talking today about this idea of selfless service is because I think that we as a church can do this on a day. You know, we take two Sundays out a year and shut things down so that we can serve the world around us and serve our community. And we can do it for a season, for 15 days or, or 30 days or whatever the case may be. We can serve our world for a season and we can do it corporately as a church and do it for a while. But listen, church, I want you to hear this. To sustain that well into the future, it's going to take each of us with a mindset of selfless service to the world around us. And I think we all can probably agree that the world around us doesn't exactly make it easy for us to be selfless. Am I right? In fact, we're really swimming upstream on being selfless in our world. Am I right? Like the world screams at us that like this life and this world is all about me. It's all about my needs, my desires, my wants, my ambition, the things that I want out of this life. And so we are really swimming upstream if we want to be people and individuals who live like Jesus. And the fact is, is that Jesus came, God sent his son Jesus to this earth, to this world, to do that thing that we're talking about, to serve the world. He served in what he did in his life. He served in what he did for 33 years while he was on this earth. He served in terms of he taught service in, in what he taught and what he preached. He modeled what it means to completely be selfless in his life and in his death. And here's the premise for this morning is, is that being a follower of Jesus means that we live like Jesus. Colossians 3, by the way, 
Uh, next Sunday, I'll be kicking off a series where Justin and I are going to be walking through chapter by chapter, four weeks, kind of taking a deep dive into Colossians. I can't wait. I want to encourage you to be a part of it. We're going to take a deep dive into the book of Colossians. And today, uh, we're just going to kind of take a, a, a preview of it. In chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes to this, this city. He says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are, what's that next word? Say it with me above. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He says, set your mind on things that are, say it with me again, above, not things that are on this earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with God in Christ and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We baptized a dozen people last month. It was awesome. Down at the beach, we, we go to the most public place in Hilton Head to do our baptisms, Caligny, um, in, in the summer, which is really just about as public of a baptism as you can get. And, and the 12 people that were baptized, when, when we baptize them, we say that you've died with Jesus in his death, and you're raised to walk in newness of life. And you see, the fact is, is that you and I as Christ followers, if we have given our lives to Jesus, if we have put our trust in him, then we become followers of him. And that means that we live like him. Ephesians 4. Apostle Paul, once again, writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, he's talking about the difference between the Gentiles and Christians. And he talks about the Gentiles in verse 19. He says, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But he says this, he says, that is not the way you learned. Christ is the way you learned. Then he says something I think we might say today. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed by your minds. The Apostle Paul talks a lot about being renewed by your minds and the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And the fact is, is that this putting on a new life in Christ is so incredibly difficult, and it's even more difficult in our age. And let's face it, can we just like, like we can just all take a big sigh of relief and say that on Hilton Head, it's, it's even more magnified, isn't it? The seeking out of pleasure is kind of what Hilton Head is kind of built on, am I right? The South Carolina low country and all of you are kind of like, why is Todd dogging on the place he lives? I'm not. I love it. It's beautiful. It's a perfect golf day out, right? The person, the empty seat next to you, they're playing golf today, all right? They're at the beach, right? It's beautiful. We should enjoy it. We should look at the creation and, and give glory to God for the creation that he made. But the problem is, is that like our society and even in the culture we live in, it's magnified. It's just so self-indulgent. It's self-satisfying and self-promoting. Our world is so screams self-promotion all the time. I was thinking the other day about social media. You don't have to have a marketing degree or even understand marketing to promote yourself. 
just easy. It just, like, it just screams at us all the time. And so church, when it comes to this idea of living a selfless life of service, we are way swimming upstream. And, and lest you think that I'm preaching at you or teaching at you right now, I'm talking to myself too. Because we all need to be reminded over and over again, this life is not about us. If we are Christ followers, we're taught to live different than the world. So today, I just want to talk about three ways that, that we can live like Jesus in this manner. First and foremost, living like Jesus means that we have to intentionally disable this me-first mentality. And it's, it's tough. You know, in, in kindergarten, it's a fight for the water fountain. Everybody wants to be first in line, right? Those of you who are teachers are like, yeah, that's horrible. 180 days of that, man, that's crazy. We do the same thing in our adult life, don't we? I want to be first. I want to be greatest. I want to get there before everybody else. I want to beat my coworker. I want to have a better lawn than my neighbor. I don't, by the way. I want a bigger house. I want a better house. I want a newer thing. I want, to, I want that car. I want that. I want that. I want that. It's all about me. And living like Jesus means that we need to disable the me first mentality life. <laughs> Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, he told his disciples, if any of you would come after me, he says, let him, what's that next word? Deny. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and, and follow me. So we have to have this disabling and this dismantling, this shutting down of of this me-first mentality that our world so encourages from the moment that we enter the world, we're taught this. I love the, the message version of that same verse says, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. I love that he's working on his disciples in the message version. Isn't that great? So if you feel like God's always working on you, you're in good company. The disciples were being worked on by God too, okay? So uh, don't, don't fret. Uh, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. I mean, I was, we're done. Like, say amen, you guys can go to lunch. That's huge. Jesus says, let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself. Your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? The Apostle Paul writes another couple letters to a group of churches in the area of Galatia, this kind of rough area of, you know, uh, of, of what is now modern-day Turkey. And he says this in Galatians 5.24, And those who belong to Christ Jesus... They have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And, and I'm going to park here for a minute. In Philippians, when he's writing this, this letter to the church in Philippi, he says this, do nothing, in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, 
But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you not look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. I don't think that, I don't think God is saying to us that we need to seek suffering. The world gives us that in, in spades, right? Gives us that in big doses. But I think God is saying to embrace it and to look how we can kind of dismantle and disable this me-first mentality that the world teaches us. It's ingrained in us. Where we're supposed to strive after ambition. I want you to think about that word for a moment. Think about your life for a moment. Think about your education for a moment. Think about your growing up for a moment. We're programmed to be ambitious for ourselves, for our gain. We're programmed to, to achieve so that we can be the best and we can be the most. And, and Jesus' disciples, I'll talk more about that in a moment, they struggled with the same thing. Conceit, an ego-driven life. And the world tells us that that's what it's all about. But living like Jesus means we disable that me first mentality. Church, it begins and it ends in our minds. I know it does with me. I know those times when I choose to put myself first and someone else last. It starts right up here. It starts with, with my mind. So my question on this first point is, what is one thing? What's one thing that, that you need to disable in your life that will help you to disable that me first Mentality, the second thing today, is living like Jesus means that not only do we disable that me first mentality, but that we enable an others more mentality. Paul in that verse in Philippians that we just read, he says, don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in, what's that next word? But in humility, count others more significance significant than yourself count others more significant than yourself church what would happen if we collectively four or five or six hundred people that are part of hilton head island community church what would happen if we collectively adopted a others more mentality we, we would change our world things would be wildly different in this community and beyond. I don't know if you realize, but, but um, nearly a half of the students who attend school in Beaufort County struggle with food supply. It's why we as a church support backpack buddies where they're given backpacks with food in them. And they're supplied with food because we understand that like to, to have this uh, others more mentality that, that we need to serve our world and there are organizations like Backpack Buddies and other organizations that do this incredibly well. See, living like Jesus means that we enable this others more mentality. It's not just about turning off that me kind of first mentality in our lives. 
it also is replacing that with others more, that others are more important than yourself, that others are, are more significant than you, that others' needs should be more important than yours, because that's what Jesus did, and we are Christ followers, we're Jesus followers. And we're called to live like him in a different way. So what's one thing that you need to add to your life? What's one thing that I need to add to my life to have an others more mentality? And thirdly and lastly, living like Jesus means that we live to selflessly serve the world around us. You see, the first thing that we need to do is we need to take our needs, this kind of me-first mentality down and, and remove some things from our life so that we can then fill it with others' most uh, mentality in our lives so that we can be available that when we see the need, we can serve. And the problem is, is we fill our lives with so much stuff, there is no room for anything else. How many of you have a drawer or a closet in your house? You don't have to raise your hand. But how many of you have a drawer or closet in your house that you can hardly open because it's so filled with stuff? How many of you are like, uh, my whole house is like that, Todd, all right? <laughs> Cynthia and I, we lived in New York City in, in under 1,000 square feet for a, a few years, uh, three of us, myself and, and Cynthia and our daughter, Sydney. And, and we had moved from Atlanta. And if you know anything about Atlanta, even like, you know, inexpensive homes are bigger than they are in a lot of the rest of the world. And so we sold everything and moved to New York. And, and we had nothing because we didn't have any space for anything. And then we moved here. And what did we do very quickly? We filled it with stuff that grandma gave us, right, Cynthia? I mean, that's what it is. Grandma gives stuff, right? So it's like we are always just refilling our lives with so much of us that there's not room for others. And then when we see a need, when we see a place we can serve, we can't because we're so full of ourselves. So living like Jesus means we live to selflessly serve the world around us. I know I've used this passage a couple times over the past maybe few months, but it, it just, I keep coming back to it because there's this striving among Jesus's followers to be the best, to be the greatest. And they're fighting over it, like those little kindergartners. And Jesus' response is so incredibly poignant here. Mark 10, 42 through 45, Jesus called them to him, these disciples that he was working on, and he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and they're great ones. They exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. See, for me, that's the phrase that gets me every time. Because I kind of want to be like the one who lords it over other people. I want to be the one who wins. I want to come in first. I'm a Georgia Bulldogs fan. We almost didn't last night. <laughs> like, that's the human nature. That's the mentality of, of what we're, we're, we're programmed with as, as culture. And Jesus says, church, disciple, follower, it shall not be so among you. And then he goes on to say, for would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever be first among you must be slave. 
He says, for even the Son of Man, talking about himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so living like Jesus means we live to selflessly serve the world around us. You know, we have opportunity. We give you opportunity. We give Hilton Head Island Community Church, we give you opportunity to do this over and over and over again. It was serve, you know, 15 days of service. It was serve day on Saturday and Sunday this year. It, we'll have another serve day in the spring. There are opportunities to do this all the time. I, I want to ask Dave Bisbee to come on up here. Um, be nice and kind to Dave because he's another Georgia fan who was disappointed with even a win yesterday. Um, so, but he actually went to school there. I didn't. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Dave has served. Dave and Gail have served. Actually, you've been at our church, been at Hilton Head Island Community Church for quite a while now and have served as the volunteer coordinator on a great opportunity that we always have every year to serve our world through our community Thanksgiving dinner. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, this will be the 23rd community Thanksgiving dinner. We wow. hold it out at Hudson's. Uh, we provide a complete Thanksgiving meal free <laughs> to uh, usually about 1,500 people. That takes volunteers. Uh, we use around 300 volunteers in a variety of positions that day. Um, this church, in addition to being a significant financial contributor to the uh, Thanksgiving dinner, has historically been the greatest source of volunteers on the island. Um, I hope you have volunteered already. Uh, as of Tuesday, we only had 94 positions out of 300 left. Uh, if you haven't yet volunteered and would like to, you can do it by online, by going to uh, communitythanksgivingalloneword.com or you can call 843-505-1370. And if you can't volunteer, come eat with us. We <laughs> accept donations. <Yeah. laughs> Somebody asked me after the last service, how much did he say it costs? It's free. It's free. And this is, this is a way that we can serve the community around us at a time of year when a lot of people maybe don't have food or don't have a family member. And Dave and Gail have served faithfully for years and years uh, on uh, this uh, community Thanksgiving dinner. And I want to encourage you to be a part or, or, or serve at it. Dave, you guys have done an amazing job. Why don't you guys give it up for Dave? Amazing, amazing work. Do you realize if, if we disable that me first mentality, if we enable the others more mentality, if we seek to serve with our lives selflessly and meet needs around us, do you know what would happen in this community if we all did that? The hunger that I talked about, it, it would be nearly eliminated. There's a homeless problem on Hilton Head Island. It's true. We have a homeless problem here in the South Carolina Low Country. M most of you who visited here the first time, maybe before you moved here, um, you can't even imagine that, and I couldn't either. But it exists. There's a huge workforce housing issue on Hilton Head. You realize 
that most people cannot afford to live here. And that's a problem. But if we as a church seek to serve others, if we seek to meet the needs around us, if we seek to look around and see the issues that exist in our community and beyond, we can move past some of these problems in our community and we can help solve them. And better yet, just like when Jesus met a physical need, we can connect the meeting of that need to a spiritual thing. Because the real issue is that so many people are missing out on the way to eternal life, and that's through Jesus Christ alone. And I wonder what would happen if our church, if Hilton Head Island Community Church, myself included, took seriously this idea of individually having a life where we selflessly serve our world. I want to end with asking you a question that um, is a dangerous question. <laughs> and it's one that I, I don't like to dwell on. But I want to ask you, and I want to ask myself this question. What would the people say who are closest to you? What do the people who are closest to you and know you the best? What do people say that you are always doing with your life? Like when I kind of filter this through my own life, I think of my wife, Cynthia, and my kids. And it kind of scares me for a minute. What do they think that Todd is always doing? And I want to ask you that question because that question is a little bit different than someone's epitaph, right? Someone's epitaph is a, is a statement or maybe a short statement or maybe, you know, a, a, maybe an obituary would be more of a long statement about what they did at the end of their life. There are some funny and crazy epitaphs in this world and on gravestones and some of them are silly, some of them are dumb, some of them are meaningful. Um, there was a, a old... Uh, TV host that said, I will not be right back after this message. That was his epitaph. <laughs> I see one that says, I told you that I was sick, which I think is pretty funny, actually. <laughs> but you know, an epitaph tells us what we did in life. But I think a true barometer of our lives is, what are we doing right now? What are we doing while we're living this life? And that question answered, I think, says a lot about us. What would the people in your life who are closest to you say that you are always doing? There's this great little tiny verse that's hidden in Acts chapter 9. Luke, the one who wrote, the man who wrote the gospel of Luke, he continues the story in Acts. It's the first church. It's God doing amazing things in the first church. It gives us the blueprint of how we should be as a church. And hidden in Acts chapter 9, after he talks about some miracles that happened, after he talked about actually uh, uh, Paul, who was Saul, who was a Christian killer, killed millions of Christians, he, he had this amazing God experience on the road to Damascus, and he turns into one of the best evangelists, one of the best spokesmen for, for Jesus ever, and wrote most of the New Testament. Talks about the story of a man who was sick, who was lame, and he was healed. And Luke, as he's writing in Acts chapter 9 writes about a woman who the disciples called Peter and said, this woman is sick and she needs to be healed. And in the process of this, she died. And Peter comes and in the name of Jesus, they raise her from the dead. She was dead. She was gone. She was raised back 
to life. And the point of the story is the power of God in our lives. But I think there's another little hidden point here in Acts chapter 9, verse 36, when Luke writes about this woman. He says this, in Joppa there was a disciple, her name was Tabitha. In Greek her name is Dorcas. And look what he says. Look at that next phrase. She was always doing good and helping the poor. She was always doing good and helping the poor. What an incredible statement about someone's life. What they always were doing. And Tabitha is a life that we know nothing else about past Acts chapter 9. But you know what we know about her? She was always, say it with me, doing good and serving the poor. In our seeking to follow Jesus, in our seeking to be like him, I don't know about you, but I want to be someone, and I want us to be known as a church who is always serving the world around us, always doing good and serving those who may not have what we have. Hilton Head Island Community Church, if we individually take seriously our job of selflessly serving the world around us, then doing what we did for those 15 days, it's just going to be part of life. It's going to be part of this community. It's going to be part of this church community. It's going to be part of the group that you're growing with, serving together. It's going to be part of your family serving together. It's going to be part of you individually serving together and collectively. Then we become a church that is selflessly serving the world around us. What can you do today to serve the world around you, Father? I thank you for uh, that incredibly convicting question. That incredibly convicting statement from Tabitha's life that she was someone who was always doing good and serving the poor. And let it be said. Not for our glory, not for our namesake, but for your glory, for your good. Let it be said that this church is made up of individuals who are always looking for ways to serve the world around us. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring us a challenge personally on what we can do today, on what we can get rid of today, on what we can fill our lives with today that would help us to have a different perspective, a different lens, a different view on how we live our lives, not for us, but to serve like you served. And as followers of you, we follow in that Jesus way of selflessly serving the world around us. Help us as we swim upstream with culture, and our community, and our environment on this, and help us to live like you, Jesus. And I pray all of this in the strong and the mighty, in the powerful name above all names, the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen.